My name is Kate the Socialite, and you're listening to episode 94 of The Kate Show. Have you ever had a bad client? I'm not talking about a client that was just a bad fit or a personality conflict or too picky. I'm talking about like a psycho client who kept changing their mind on final selections of their remodel or a real estate client who asked for your expert staging advice and then ignored it and then complained when the listing sat stagnant and somehow blamed you. You know, it's frustrating. I mean, we try to help people, right? And sometimes it doesn't work out despite our best intentions. Now, on this episode of The Kate Show, I'm going to share why you might be attracting bad clients unknowingly and the red flags you should watch for when entertaining a new prospect and how to handle them when the bad ones slip into your schedule. So without further ado, let's dive right in to figure out are you attracting nightmare clients and what to do about it. Marketing your interior design or home staging business should be easy and relational. My name is Kate the Socialite, and I believe in action, not just ideas. And I share strategies that have proven to work right here every week. If you're serious about growing your business in the home industry, you're in the right place. Welcome to The Kate Show. Let's get one thing straight. Bad clients don't typically wake up in the morning intending to ruin your day. They might even have a valid reason for being difficult. I mean, based on life experience, right? We all have a story. But that doesn't mean you should actually put up with them or go out of your way to accommodate them. So there's a little bit of tough love happening here. And as you and I both know, being an honorable business owner means that you treat all your clients with the same level of kindness and attentiveness. And in case you're wondering, why on earth is Kate talking about this? Well, there has been a discussion going on in my private Facebook group where people ended up asking me, hey, Kate, can you please talk about this on the podcast? Because we have had some really difficult clients, a whole slew of them, and either we're not sure why or we'd like to just avoid them in the future. Do you have any input? Well, you guys know I can just talk and talk. Yes, I have input. And I want you guys to understand that as an entrepreneur, you're going to find yourself in one of two scenarios at times, both of which can lead to onboarding clients who suck the life out of you, suck the creativity out of your business, or they just slip in because you're super busy. So let's just unfold that for a second. Scenario number one, let's say you're strapped for cash at some point in business or you're new to business and hence strapped for cash. In a moment of desperation, you sign on a client that you know is going to be a challenge, but you think, oh, I can handle it. It's okay. I honestly need the money. Okay. That's one way you can end up with a bad client. Now, scenario number two is this. You're so busy running a thriving business that you barely notice the nightmare client that has just slipped into your roster. That is until you and the team start working on their project. Suddenly, that client consumes your thoughts and has you reaching for that second glass of wine when you finally get home at night. You and the team might even develop code words that probably rhyme with which, just saying, anytime you're discussing that client, which happens to be most of the day since he or she emails and calls with fresh complaints on the regular. And halfway through a stressful meeting with that client, you might just sit back, redo your ponytail, and wonder how long it will be before all your hair simply falls out. Yep, it's that stressful. And at that point, you're wondering, how the heck did I get here? Well, there are a few different ways you got there. 
aside from just letting people slip into your schedule, not vetting them properly, or being a little bit too desperate for cash. There is an old saying, and while cliche, it is so true, and it is, you teach people how to treat you. Have you ever heard that statement? For some reason, a lot of interior designers and home stagers think they should actually put up with poor behavior from their clients. After all, they're paying you, right? Well, paying someone does not give you license to abuse them. And that's the thing we often forget as business owners in the name of good customer service. Now, I'm all about working with clients who might be upset, whether they're upset with me or they're upset with a situation or they're upset with a technical problem or a delay. But there is a totally different thing that happens when a client personally attacks you or doesn't respect your boundaries even though you've laid them out clearly and that's really what we're talking about here because this is the reality of doing business it is not all unicorns and rainbows sometimes we have really crappy clients is it okay to say that it's my podcast I can say that if I want to it's the truth guys sometimes it sucks but we also have so many good clients that it makes what we do still worth it But let's figure out why you guys are often letting yourselves be mistreated by these bad clients, because that is the root issue that we need to solve here. For some of you, you might honestly be used to being treated that way because of different places that you've worked or the type of career that you had before, or maybe you just feel that you have a thick skin and it doesn't bother you. But if you're listening to this episode, I can almost guarantee that it bothers you to be treated badly. And here's why you shouldn't tolerate this sort of nonsense from people. Number one, setting the precedent that your self-respect can be bought is a weak point that your overbearing clients are going to see from a mile away. So that simply means if they understand that, oh, well, they, they put down their money, they paid your retainer, now you're their personal whipping boy. Well, um, th- that's not how that works. It doesn't matter how frustrated they are or how difficult their remodel is going, they don't have the right to treat you badly. Number two, as a professional, your opinions are not going to be respected if you as a person are not respected. The success of your business depends on clients who trust your guidance and respect your opinions and see you as the authority on their project. So if you can't establish a level of respect from the start, it's just not going to go well. Number three, bad clients often write bad reviews. It doesn't matter how hard you try to please them. And those bad reviews can often dissuade good clients from working with you, which is definitely not what you want. Number four, Difficult clients drain your energy and your creativity, which means your good clients and their projects will ultimately suffer as a result. Again, not a situation that you want. Now, if you're thinking, that sounds awful, I don't want to go through that, or I don't want to go through that again, here are a few things you might be doing that ultimately are making these things happen. So number one, you might be pricing your design or your staging packages way too low just to make a sale, and that attracts bargain hunters, and it can also attract people who just don't value you and therefore don't respect you. You see where I'm going here? Number two, if you're using DIY branding or a website that makes your business look like a hobby, people will have a hard time respecting you. Number three, if you offer more than three core services, it's going to make you appear scattered and unfocused, and that does not breed respect either. Number four, If you advertise that you offer a free consultation, 
that is going to attract, again, the bargain hunters and the people who don't respect you. Instead of offering a free consult, offer a discovery call. It accomplishes the same thing. You're getting to know the client and seeing if you should work together, but you're not giving them the impression that they're just going to get free advice from you. Your advice should not be free because your advice is valuable and it should be respected. Number five, if you're using low quality photos of your work on your website or on your social media, people are going to have a hard time valuing what you do because the visual representation of it is not that good. Number six, using selfies or other non-professional photos of yourself on your website can be dangerous because it makes it look like you're more of a hobbyist than a professional. And the last one, number seven, such a big one, not having a clearly defined target client can help you make a huge mistake, which is trying to appeal to everyone, which makes you very, very desperate. It can lead to running random sales to try to generate business. It can lead to having really low prices just because you want to get more clients. It can lead to taking on anyone who walks through the door or calls you or emails you, and that is not a good way to run your business. You need to understand that you need three core services and you need to direct all of them towards a specific type of person so that when you're marketing, you know exactly what to say and you know how to automatically sort out the people who are just not going to be a good fit. Each of these seven items goes a long way in establishing you and your business as deserving of respect. If you don't value your business enough to give it great curb appeal through, say, branding and websites that present you in the right light, or if you're still trying to be a jack-of-all-trades in your industry by offering too many services, or if you offer anything for free, expect to get clients who love free things, who intend to push you around, and who fully plan on haggling your rates or demanding refunds for frivolous reasons. However, if you are not guilty of the seven deadly sins I just listed, you may have another issue going on. What if you're extremely busy in your business and for some reason nasty clients just keep slipping into your schedule? In your situation, you'll likely need to make one simple shift and that is improve or establish your client onboarding process. So we're going to take a little break to hear from one of our sponsors. And then when I come back, I'm going to share with you the onboarding process you should implement in order to help sift out the bad clients. Okay guys, we need to hold on for just a minute because I have a really important question to ask you. How are you planning to grow your business this year? Do you have a plan for getting new clients? Do you panic when your word of mouth referral sources dry up? It's time to take a proactive approach to growing your business with the Window Coverings Association of America. The WCAA specializes in helping upholsterers, window treatment workrooms, and interior designers build businesses that last. They offer ongoing education on topics such as business, profitability, marketing, window treatment design, upholstery techniques, and more. If you want a business that can withstand the economic ups and downs and still support your family, you need the WCAA. Go to WCAA.org to learn more about becoming a member. And P.S. to everyone else listening who might want to partner with or advertise with the WCAA. There's a place for you too. Go to WCAA.org and click on the Industry Partners page. 
The early steps of your onboarding process should quickly reveal your potential clients' personalities and tendencies. First, they should book a discovery call with you through your website. If a potential client fusses that they can only take calls after hours or on weekends, that might be a warning they won't value your time. If, while on that call, the potential client tries to get information out of you that you'd normally include in a paid consult, or if they comment on the cost of your services, and you know what I mean, in a negative way, they might not see you as a valuable resource. And then you have to ask yourself, do you want to work with someone like that? Second, your onboarding process should require the client to complete a small amount of homework, such as creating a design inspiration board on Pinterest and sending it to you. If they delay this activity without legitimate reason, or if their design board contains so many things that it's clear they're influenced by every trend imaginable, they might have great difficulty making decisions and instead rely on others' opinions, yours potentially not being one of them. Third, you should present a questionnaire to the client that includes asking them whether they've worked with someone like you before and how they would rate that experience. If the client speaks negatively about her former interior designer or home staging company, it's realistic to expect your name to be next on her list. Good people tend not to spread past negativity. When asked about a difficult situation, they might say it was a personality conflict or use language that dismisses the issue. And that's what you want, someone who doesn't hold a grudge. But that doesn't answer the question. How do you handle a nightmare client in the moment? That's a tough one, I have to be honest. I don't have too many troublesome clients anymore due to sharing all the advice above and actually following my own advice, but every so often I do get blindsided. So here are the tactics I've learned over the past almost six years of being in business. First, let's start with the things you shouldn't do. Don't let your emotions dictate your actions. And don't apologize if you didn't actually do anything wrong. And don't send the email you just wrote. Trust me. There are so many times that I have typed out an angry response to someone and then clicked delete. Now, there have also been times where I clicked send instead. And I've learned the hard way that it's better to just delete it and then respond without emotion maybe the next day. And as far as not apologizing, if you truly didn't do anything wrong, this is also a very fine line because you need to make absolutely sure that you didn't make a mistake or that someone on your team didn't make a mistake because obviously if you did make a mistake, it is your job to own it. Now let's talk about the do's. Do ask your unhappy client what you can do to make them happy rather than offering a free service or a refund. You might be surprised how simply and easily they can be placated. Now, do take responsibility, like I said, for any errors that you may have contributed to or caused, even unknowingly, because taking ownership of mistakes is incredibly professional. Do tell your client if they've stepped out of line towards you or your team. Now, this is something that I have done. I've only had to do twice in running my business, and I had to, as they say, fire a client because this client was becoming so abusive towards me and a member of my team. And it was just, it was just odd. But you know what? When it comes to social media or email, people will say a lot of things that way that they would never say to your face. But 
we always have to remember that there is a real human being receiving these messages. So whether I'm tempted to respond angrily to someone or I realize that they may not have stopped to think about the fact that I have a real team of people who may have read their angry email and their personal attacks towards certain people on my team, that is something that goes both ways that I need to keep in mind, which means the same goes for you guys. If someone attacks you or a member of your team, first, make sure you guys didn't do anything to cause this. And second, make sure you tell them, hey, that's not how we run things here. We need to hold off on this conversation until everyone's emotions have calmed down because we don't get anywhere by accusing or name calling or anything. And it's funny because this is business and business is typically conducted between adults or among adults. Yet all the things I'm saying, it's also something that you would say to a middle schooler or a high schooler. But the truth is, we are all humans, and we all are very, very emotional, whether you're a man or a woman, a child, an adult, whether you've been in business for five minutes or 15 years. Make sure that you're taking ownership for what you did do wrong, that you are not responding with emotion, and that you are understanding that nobody has the right to mistreat you. Now, one thing you should do is keep track of any complaints that you get, because if those complaints become common, you may have found an area in your business that needs improvement. Finally, do create a blacklist of clients that you'll never work with again. This is important to have because you want to make sure that you and your team are on the same page. And you don't have to have like nasty things written about these people, but you can just say, you know, this is not someone we're going to work with again. The end. No questions asked. And these situations are just difficult, you know. I used to stress out for days or even weeks when I had a bad client, especially if they attacked me personally or tried to discredit me. And I know that that is what a lot of you are dealing with as well, because you tell me. You know, these days, honestly, I lean more towards my husband's mindset, which, and I quote, at the end of the day, who freaking cares? Now, let me clarify. That mindset doesn't mean you don't care about your business or your reputation or your clients. What it actually means is that you won't let one bad client or even a whole batch of them lessen how you view yourself or your business. You can't please everyone, and trying to do that is going to drive you nuts, and it's going to make people closest to you absolutely miserable. So if you have a difficult client, even though you know that you've upheld your own integrity and you've delivered 120%, Just remember, it's not necessarily your job to make them happy by going to the ends of the earth and to the moon and back. Keep in mind that if that client is still upset with you, you still have a great business. You are still a smart and kind business owner. And tomorrow, you're going to start over, you're going to get more new clients, and you don't have to dwell on the one problematic client that really rocked your world for a few days or (laughs) a few months. So guys, I hope that answers your question. Like I said, this episode was prompted by members of my private Facebook group, and they just wanted to know, how are we supposed to handle these situations? How can we avoid these situations? 
So those are my best tips. I don't have all the answers. And if you're working with a business coach, I suggest that you do ask them because they have a lot of good wording and scripts that you can borrow when it comes to dealing with some of these difficult situations. And actually, just a couple episodes back, you could listen to my interview with Dominic Rubio because he talks about the script for difficult conversations. All right, guys, until next time, keep your marketing simple and your message clear, even if you get these crazy situations with tricky clients, because you know what? You have got this. Thanks for listening. Visit us at thekateshowpodcast.com, where we empower home professionals with marketing confidence.